but uh, we're going to be reading tonight from the book of uh, John, chapter number 10, and also Luke chapter number 15. John chapter number 10, going to begin our reading with verse number 11, read through verse 16, and then go to the book of Luke and read just a couple of scriptures there. But Jesus is speaking here in John 10. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep or not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth. Because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father and lay down my life for the sheep. The other sheep I have, notice that, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice and they shall be one fold and one shepherd. There's a lot to digest in verse number 16. He's believe he's talking there about the Gentiles. There's another band of sheep, not you, not of the household of Israel, but us as Gentiles. Jesus was sent for us. Amen. So that we may uh, be able to be a part of the sheepfold. But in, in Luke chapter number 15, uh, beginning a reading of verse number 4, what man of you having a hundred sheep? If he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and the nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he found it. And when he found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. I just want to share from my heart for a few moments just on this thought taken from John 10 verse number 16 and preach for just a few moments on this thought, the other sheep, the other sheep. Amen. May God add His blessing to the reading of the Word. You may be seated tonight. But as we read in, in Luke chapter number 15, we find three different parables, three stories of things that were lost in Luke 15 and 8. The second story we read of the lost coin. When it talks about the woman who lost the coin and the, uh, the Bible tells us it was a piece of silver and uh, she would light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. We also read of the story of the lost or the prodigal son that uh, leaves the father's house that goes his own way. And we can read how, you, you know the story very well, how the father, when he was, uh, the Bible says that when the, the son was a great way off, when he was a great distance from the father's house, he saw the father. The father ran on him, embraced him, kissed him, and we can read the great story of redemption. But we know those stories very well. But to start off the lost chapter, which is what Luke 15 is referred to, we read of the story 
of the lost sheep. We read of the shepherd as he leaves 99 in the sheepfold to seek after one sheep that wandered away and was lost. In all three of these passages, we see the tragedy of something being lost and the jubilation that occurs when the lost is found. I mean, I want you to notice something in these passages of Scripture. None of the characters, neither the father nor the woman who lost the coin or the shepherd, none of them rejoice in what they had safely. But all of them rejoiced when that which was lost was found. Why? Because that that was lost was personal to them. That which was lost was valuable to them. It might not have been valuable to anybody else. To the lost, the prodigal son, he was just another heathen. He was just another drug addict. He was just another person that was high and dry and just another casualty of his surroundings. But to that boy, or to that father, that boy meant absolutely everything. To the lost coin, for the woman, many speculate that that was actually uh, her wedding dowry. In Jewish tradition, sometimes when uh, a, um, a female was a, a spouse to her husband, he would find out what the dowry was, what payment was going to be required by the father of the bride. And he would give that dowry to the young lady that he was going to be engaged to and that he was going to be married. And it was the young lady's responsibility to keep that dowry until the time of the wedding. And at that point in time, she would present the dowry to her father. To the neighbor down the street, that coin might not have meant absolutely anything. But to that woman, it meant the world. That woman, it, it, it meant something. It was, it was precious to her, to the, the, to the shepherd that lost the sheep, to the, to the other shepherd down the road. That was just another sheep that was lost. But to that shepherd that loved the sheep, that was there and groomed the sheep and was with that sheep every day. It was personal to him. So of course, there was jubilation when that which was lost was found again. Why? Because their heart, all of them, their hearts were attached to that which was missing. Can I tell you the heartbeat of God tonight is for the lost. The heartbeat of our Heavenly Father tonight it's for those that are lost. Christ came not for the 99 that were in the sheepfold, but He came for the other sheep that had been lost. The 99 sheep that were in the fold may have looked down their nose with contempt at the one sheep that took His life in His own hands and wandered away, but thank God that the shepherd looked down with compassion. His heart was moved and he went to where he was. Listen, we see great simplicity in these stories. But there's oh so much power to be found in the words that was contained. Why? Because you and I at one point in time, we were that lost sheep. You and I at one point in time, we were the prodigals. 
At one point in time, we were the bride. Amen. That if that she didn't find that missing coin, wasn't going to be able to participate in the marriage. Amen. Because she had lost the dowry. She had been careless with what she had been given. Amen. That is a representation and a picture of every one of us. But thank God when we wandered astray, and we could not find our way back home. Thank God for a heavenly Father. Thank God for a shepherd that came to where we were. Amen. Thank God. Amen. For a plan of salvation that when we could not reach the heavenly laws of heaven to reach God Almighty, God had a plan of redemption to where His Son came down and paid our price. Amen. He paid the dowry. He left the sheepfold. He left the house of His Father. Why? To seek and to save that which is lost. In these scriptures, simple the simplicity of the gospel we see. Very simple stories that our children from children's church can tell you about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. Amen. But we see the great power unfolded of the redemptive plan of God and what Christ did for each and every one of us. I can tell you, folks, He still cares for the other sheep. Listen, God cares about what goes on in here. God cares about what happens in our services. He cares, amen, about our worship. He cares about the messages that we preach, amen. But a, uh, our life, a small portion of our life is consumed with what goes on in here. But a much larger portion of our life is consumed with what goes on out there. The purpose of the church, the purpose, amen, of, of, of corporate worship of the house of God is a place where, yes, we can get our needs met. And yes, a place where we can have an encounter with God. Yes, it's a place to where we can come into the presence of God and worship and bear one another's burdens and, and carry each other's needs to the throne room of God. There's power in that and there's a, uh, there, that's, uh, it's powerful that we have a place where we can do that. But it's a place where we get our spiritual batteries charged so that we can go out into a lost and dying world and we can do as Christ did. Reach the other sheep. Reach those that are out of the household of faith. Listen, sheep have a tendency to wander. If the shepherd did not go out and seek the lost creature, chances are it would not have found its way back on its own. Amen. We, like sheep, the Bible says, have all gone astray. If we could save ourselves, then we wouldn't need Christ. But the fact of the matter is, is that we can't. It took a shepherd coming down to bring us back, amen, into the sheepfold of the Savior. Jesus Himself called Himself the Good Shepherd. In John 10, 11, Verses 8, uh, 11 through 18, not only who searches for the lost sheep, but he lays down his life for the sheep. He concludes by saying there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 who do not repent. So we know as we study, as we look at the Gospels, we can see that the, the heartbeat of Christ has always been for the lost always been for those 
that are undone. He told, uh, uh, speaking in the New Testament, he said that he came not for the, or the sick are the ones that, that need a physician. It was those that, that needed him was why he came. He came not for those that were clothed in religion and religiosity, but he came for those that were groping in spiritual blindness and in the darkness so that he could minister to their needs. Amen. We can see and we know that he came for the other sheep. He came for those that were lost. Amen. And I, I, I want us as Christians, if we are going to fulfill our heavenly mandate and mission, then it is uh, important for us to carry the same burden that Christ carried. To do the same things that Christ did. That we should reach out to the lost. Not only should we uh, reach out to the lost, but we should be agents that bring about healing and health. Agents of, of those that, that reach out not just to provide a handout, but we also provide a hand up. The government gives hands out. <laughs> and it's breaking the backs of every one of us. And with all of their handouts, you think that it would better society. But society seems to be only growing worse and worse. Handouts never work. I can tell you this world don't need another handout. They need a hand up. They need to be lifted up to the throne room of God. Amen. Not only does God seek the lost, but when He finds them, He binds up the broken wounds. It says in Ezekiel chapter 34, He says in verse 15, I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost and will bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and strengthen that which was sick. If there's one vulnerability of God, I'll never forget a message Brother Eddie preached years ago. But he talked about the availability of the great physician. Talked about the affordability of the great physician. He talked about all of the uh, abilities that we have in him. But there was one in particular that stood out. And he made the statement, he said, if there's one vulnerability of our great physician... It's this. It's His love for the lost. It's His love for mankind. Now we don't like to think of God having vulnerabilities. We don't like to think of God having a weakness. And in one sense of the word, He has no weakness. He is all powerful. Amen. But if there is one vulnerability, it is His love for the lost. Amen. Not only does he find them, not only does he search after him. It says of the, the shepherd in Luke chapter number 15, when the sheep was lost, but he searched until he found it. He didn't put a time limit on it. He didn't search after us the way that many of us seek after him and give him a five minute time limit. If he don't move in five minutes, then I, I've got to go on to the next thing. If he don't move by tomorrow, then I've got my plan B lined up. That's not how God operates. That's how flesh and that's how self 
messes things up many, many times. But the Bible says that he searched until he found it. I don't know how long that search took, but he was committed to the search. He was committed ever how long it takes. He had committed himself to that sheep. That was the only thing that mattered. Somebody else can feed the 99 that's in the sheepfold. Somebody else can look after them. They're safe. They're protected. They're out of harm's way. But he risked his life going after that which is lost. Amen. And if God uh, in His sovereignty is willing to do that for us, then we should be willing to do it for those that are lost around us. Those that are lost around us. One statement that I've heard that stuck with me many years, the church is not a luxury ship for the saved, but it's a rescue ship for those that are perishing. Amen. Christ, amen, is moved with compassion for the lost. And so should we. The purpose, the reason that He came was for the other sheep. So you may ask, what part do I play in this? When Christ was about to ascend in Mark chapter number 16, verse 15, He gave His church a command, which is known as the Great Commission. And He said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I've read this many, many, many times. And in all of the times that I've read it, the words have never changed. The command for them is the same exact command that God has given unto us to go. To be the hands and feet of the gospel. To be missionaries. To be ones that, uh, that spread the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. To bear the burden of proof that Jesus is alive. Go into all the world is not debatable. It's not optional. But it is a requirement. I still believe it's a requirement for the believer. Go into all the world. Yes, for some, it may be go to Cuba. Yes, it may be go to Africa. Yes, it may be go to Russia or Ecuador or Honduras. But for the large majority of us, it's going to be go to Walmart. Go to work. Go to school. Go to the post office. Go to the bank. But everywhere that you go, be an effective witness for Christ. Amen. Be an effective witness. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Yes, there's going to be times where you need to open up your mouth and preach. There's going to be times where you need to say the time of the Lord is at hand. But can I tell you, your life is oftentimes the greatest Bible that this world will ever read. How you live. How you conduct yourself, how you operate, how you act ethically and you and rightfully, and you do the right thing. Amen. There's enough frauds out there that at the first chance they see of a chance to benefit themselves, they're willing to cut somebody's throat. They're willing to stab somebody in the back. They're willing to do what they have to do to get the next promotion. To get the next raise, to get the next title. Amen. They see enough charlatans and frauds out there, but what they need to see is a true blue child of God. Amen. 
walking as Christ would walk, talking as Christ would talk, being effective hands and feet of the gospel. Amen. It's not debatable for us. We are all called to go into all the world and to preach all of the gospel. Not just the parts that we like. Preach the full counsel of God. And when we're going, we don't just go to people that we like. Or ethnic groups that we like. Or sects that we like. Or denominations that we like. But we're to go into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. Every man has a right to know what we know about God. And we have the responsibility to show Him to them. That's the burden of proof on us. Amen. You may ask ways to be missional. How can I be missional as this is a mission service? Acts 1 and 8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Can I say this? When you get full of the Holy Ghost and fire, you're not going to have any problems being missional. Believe it. When the fire of God is burning on the inside of you, it's going to be just like it was for the prophet Jeremiah. A fire shut up in my bones. Times where I want to be quiet, but I can't be quiet. Times where I would just prefer to sit down and shut up. Amen. And just blend in. But that fire of God begins to burn on the inside of you. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. When you get full of the power and spirit of God, you're not going to have any problems being missional. Telling somebody about the Lord. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So first off, he deals with Jerusalem. You're first to be missional at home. Oftentimes, home missions get swept under the rug because it's not as glamorous as going on the, the large trips to Russia, to Scandinavia, to Kazakhstan, and other stands that you can't pronounce. There's a bunch of them. If we were to, to rank missions work on a scale from 1 to 10, going and preaching to thousands, that's 10. Home missions, that's not as desirable. But can I tell you something? We must first start at Jerusalem. Yes. Who cares if we win a whole country for God and yet our country dies and goes to hell? What is it profit if a man gain the whole world and yet he loses his own soul? What profits it a man if he preaches to thousands in another country? Amen. But he's not willing to walk across the street to tell his neighbor about the Lord. Amen. We need to be just as missional at home as we are abroad. Amen. How can I be missional? Amen. These missionaries that we heard from tonight, I have the utmost respect for every missionary that steps away from a job, that steps away from family, that hazards their life for the cause of Christ. Amen. Love missionaries. Thank God for them. 
Amen. They have my utmost respect. But I can tell you, if you go to, as I mentioned, go to Walmart, go to the post office, tell somebody about Jesus, you are just as much a missionary as they are. Did you know that with all of the access to Bible, to resources, to church materials, that America has become the second largest unchurched nation in the world. We need missionaries right here at home. Just as bad as they need missionaries in China. Amen. Be a missional. Amen. Go is the command of God. You're going to be witnesses unto me, Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Whether it's here or whether it's in China, God needs missionaries to issue out His command and to issue out, amen, the words of Christ. God tells us to be effective where we are and where they are. So God commands us to go. He also admonishes us to send. In the New Testament, the Bible says that uh, when they, they were gathered together that all men had all things common. If they had land, they sold it. Why? For the furtherance of the gospel. If they had home. If they had resources, they gave it to the church. Why? So that the church and the kingdom of God could be expanded. Literally, so they could decrease. So that Christ and His kingdom could be increased. Amen. He tells us to not only go, but to send. But the third thing, and we did that just a few moments ago, but to pray. To cover those up in prayer. I'll, I'll never forget it. My, my grandmother was a godly saint, godly woman, for the last probably three, four, five years of her life. Every day without fail, she prayed and cried to go home. She wanted to go home. She'd make the statement. She said, I don't know why God leaves me here. She said, I just, I want to go to heaven. I'm sick and tired of this world. And one day I was boarding a plane. And uh, I, I, was, I believe I was flying out of uh, New Orleans, flying uh, New Orleans to New York and, and headed over to Kenya on a trip. And I called her just to check in and to, to tell her I love her before I left. And uh, her pastor was there at the time. And she put me on speakerphone and I was talking to her and uh, just having conversation with her. And she went on this spiel that Mama would do. I want you to pray, son, that God would carry me on home. I'm sick of this world. I I'm ready to just go to heaven. And uh, Brother Ronnie Morris, her pastor, said, Miss Nacy, she said, there's a reason God's leaving you here. She said, there's a reason you haven't gone yet. She said, he said, I believe that God is leaving you here so you can pray for these grandkids. You can pray for your family. You can pray for the work of God to be expanded. He said, uh, only God knows what's waiting on Brother Corey when he gets to Kenya, to Africa. He said, it could be your prayers today that make the difference between life and death. In a way that, Michael, you had to know her to be able to appreciate what I'm saying and none of you got to meet her. And she said, huh, I ain't ever thought about that before. 
But there's a lot of truth in that statement. We may never be the ones to get on a plane and go. But if you've got the ability to open up your mouth, you've got the ability to pray. And who knows, it may be your prayers. Amen. Through which revival is channeled into some of these countries. It may be your prayers that's the difference between life and death. There was a missionary uh, couple to uh, India, Brother Ralph and Sister Gail Francis, several years ago, civil war broke out in India. They were trapped uh, in their, their house. Some of the rebels had, had uh, camped, circled their apartment building, and they were coming looking for them. And Brother Ralph was able to sneak out to the top of his apartment building and got his, uh, was able, had a satellite phone and was able to get the call out to a relative uh, back here in Alabama to begin to pray. Said, I need you to seek God. We're in trouble. We're in a tight spot in a tight fix. We're in danger. We need God to intervene. And the relative on the phone answered and said, I've known that for three days. God woke me up three nights ago and had me to be praying for you and your wife. I don't know how God's going to do it, but God's going to bring you out. It might have been the prayers three days before that incident ever happened. Amen. That was the difference between life and death. Amen for that couple. Amen. We can go. We can sin. And we can pray. Amen. As Kirsten wants to, if she'll come. Amen, I told you I wasn't going to be long tonight. I don't want to be a line preacher. But I heard Brother Mark Rutland tell a story. Brother Rutland, all known all the way around the world, one of the best communicators and orators you'll ever hear. I want to say he's fluent somewhere around five, six, seven languages. Um, just a phenomenal preacher of the gospel. But it was sometimes in the, the 90s, I believe it was, he was telling the story. He had gone to Mexico. And he had was preaching at a very large conference. They had a convention hall rented out and he was said he was sitting on the front row and people were oohing and on over him and just making him feel like royalty. And they called him up to preach. And as he was walking up the platform, he said he caught something out of the corner of his eye. And he said he saw this man scooting on the floor. This man had no feet. He had no arms. And he had a piece of paper in his mouth. And he took his head and was hitting Brother Rutland on his leg. And he reached up and he handed him a piece of paper. And he looked and it was a, a gospel track. And that man scooted off back down to where he was sitting on the floor. Brother Rutland was kind of disturbed by it. Wondered what in the world was this man doing. And he asked the, the superintendent that was there sponsoring the trip. He said, can you tell me about this man? He said, yes sir I can. He said he's one of the most respected men. Not only... In this city, not only in this state, but in the country of Mexico. Said he was a, a preacher. Traveled all over the country preaching the gospel. 
And he said he was so effective. And God was blessing him so much that drug members, drug cartel members started getting saved. And uh, forsaking the, the drug industry, giving their lives to the Lord and some of the drug kingpins come together that hated each other. But they come together and said, we've got to do something to stop the preacher. Because if we don't stop him, then all of our runners are going to be out of the running business. They're going to be saved. So some of the drug kingpins came to the preacher one night after he got done preaching. He said, preacher, we got a controversy with you. He said, we don't like you. We don't like your preaching. We don't like your God. But we're going to give you a chance. If you'll stop preaching the gospel, we'll let you live. But if not, we're going to kill you tonight. And he said, there is no way that I can recant preaching the gospel. Long story short, they cut off both of his feet. They cut off both of his hands or his arms about midway up. And with no feet, no hands, his body was in shock. But they said, preacher, we're going to give you one more chance. He said, stop preaching this, this gospel. Stop preaching Christ. He said, there's no way I can. And this is gruesome, but those kingpins cut out his tongue, beating to a pulp, threw him in a back alley, and left him for dead. But it's the miracle of all miracles that preacher survived. Preacher survived. No arms, no hands, no tongue, no ministry, no limelight, no spotlight. Just what some would say, just a waste of oxygen. That, that there's nothing. There's no value to his life. Brother Rutland said when he was, they were telling the story, he said he was so moved and his heart was broken at such a sacrifice that one would make who would literally hazard his life and put it on the line for the gospel's sake. And he said, the superintendent said, this isn't the best part. He said, I want you to, I'm going to meet you tomorrow at lunchtime. And he said, I want you to follow me. Or I'm going to take you into the city. He said, I want to show you something. So sure enough, by lunchtime, the superintendent comes, picks up Brother Rutland, carries him to the center of the city. He said, just wait a, a couple minutes. What I want to show you, it'll happen. So they started making small talk and just a few minutes went by. And sure enough, he saw what they come to see. The preacher with no feet, with no arms, was scooting through the city square with a pack of tracks under one arm and one in his mouth. And he would walk up to people in the city square. Maybe they were standing at a traffic light ready to cross the street. And he'd hit their leg. And he'd get their attention. And he'd hand them a gospel track. He'd reach down and get another one. Give another one a gospel track. A man that some would say has no value. Was doing all that he could for the gospel's sake. The superintendent said, this man does this every day, seven days a week. He said, I've seen him 
literally take the track and read the first couple of lines on the track. He said, conviction will hit them and they'll fall down on their knees and begin calling out to God for salvation. They'll begin calling out to God for, for repentance. They'll begin seeking God's face by a preacher that can't talk and a pack of tracks under his arms. The superintendent went on to say, he said, this man has seen more people saved in the second phase of his life not being able to talk than he did in the first phase being on the national stage preaching all over Mexico. Brother Rutland said he was even moved more the second day on the second encounter than he was on the first. When I heard that story years ago, it was as if the Holy Ghost pricked my heart, spoke to me and said, what's your excuse? You've got two feet. You've got two hands. You've got a, a, a mouth that can talk and speak. Why aren't you working as diligently as you can work for the cause of Christ? We're all called. Go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Tell somebody about Christ. It may not be on the streets of Mexico or Russia or Canada or, or wherever. It could be simply picking up a phone call. Calling that family member that you haven't talked to in quite some time. Talking to that neighbor. Talking to that relative. Sharing about the goodness of God. Amen. And lead them to repentance. Being missional. Christ came for the other sheep. We must reach out to the other sheep. Amen. I'm so excited to see. Amen. Future reports on what God is going to do. Sister Vicky encouraged us before we preach to pray about what God would have you to do. Pray about your mission field. And I wonder if we could take a few place, a few moments tonight to pray and to do that very thing. To seek the face of God. Lord, where would you lead me? Where would you have me to devote time and resources where would you have me devote my energy folks time's running short the rapture of the church is at hand what we're going to do for the kingdom we better do it now we better do it now and get busy whatever he bids you to do do it man I wonder if we could find us a place to pray around the altar tonight seek God for a few moments in time yes we want you to stick around yes we want a fellowship foods in the back but this could be a life-defining prayer. This could be a life-changing, life-altering moment with you and God where you seek His face and He leads you and opens up as to what His will for your life is. Not to just be entered through life aimlessly, but to reach the other sheep that He would have you to reach. To bring them into the sheepfold while there's time. An opportunity. Oh, God, grant it. Yes, Lord.